So I think we've got some good news for us uh, this this Sunday, this weekend. Uh, and along with that, there's maybe maybe a challenging bit of news or a challenging word from from the scriptures. So the, the first bit of good news is this: that so normally normally the Bible doesn't give us a lot of definitions. You know, the Bible might use words or phrases. Uh, Jesus might might give things. And in fact, sometimes even people will ask Jesus clarifying questions uh, like Peter kind of does in our gospel. You know, is this meant for, for us or for everyone? And then even then, Jesus doesn't always clarify things. You know, he like if you notice, he didn't answer the question. You know, it's like, Lord, who's this for? And then he says, okay, who's the faithful student? He doesn't, he doesn't answer the question. So a lot of times that, that's not the case. But today, Today, the scriptures give us a definition of something, you know, a faith. We heard this in our second reading, faith is, right? Which, which I think is, is helpful for us, or at least it's meant to be helpful for us because we hear in the scriptures that, that faith in Jesus is necessary. Whoever believes in, in me has eternal life. And uh, so it's, it's really helpful, like, okay, Jesus uh, says that we need to have faith in him. And now the letter to the Hebrews defines what faith is, right? So this is like good news. I don't have to wonder because what we, what we can see in our world is we can see a whole bunch of different people, Christian denominations, sometimes people even within the same denomination using this word faith, and it seems like sometimes people have different definitions for it, and so it can be a little confusing. Uh, so what we can actually do is look directly to the scriptures uh, and see, well, what does the Bible teach us about what faith is? That's the good news. The, the kind of hard news is um, that the way that we oftentimes in our world talk about faith, it seems like it doesn't quite match up with that definition. So let's look at the definition and then we'll talk about what the practical sort of application can be. So first, what is, what is the definition? Faith is, right? So this should sort of perk our ears. Faith is, okay, what is it, right? It's the realization of what is hoped for and evidence of things not seen. The realization of what is hoped for and evidence of things not seen. So sometimes when you, when you hear a definition, it's good to just sort of take like bite-sized chunks out of it and just sort of slowly work your way through it. So the realization of th what is hoped for. So I think um, it's, it's helpful. We know this, that there are different translations of the Bible. Some are more literal. Some are a little more accessible. And so maybe a little bit less literal. So the one that we use at Mass is, is good. Uh, I, I have a Bible that has maybe a little bit more of a literal translation um, to it. It's, uh, they're, they're both good. So one is not necessarily better than the other. But I think the one that I follow along with is helpful as a complement to what this is. So this says the realization of what is hoped for. Mine says faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So I think, think about what does it mean to be assured of something? means you have a kind of knowledge about it, a confident kind of knowledge about it. And in fact, this was in the beginning, in our first reading from the Book of Wisdom. The night of the Passover was known beforehand to our fathers that with sure knowledge of the oaths in which they put their faith, they might have courage. Right? So they're talking about with the Passover, uh, you know, they, they killed the, 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 the lambs, put the blood on their doorposts, and they ate the flesh of the lamb. And they did this with a sure knowledge that God who made the oaths to them would come through for them, right? So, so this is what, what the author is saying, is that faith has this sure knowledge. There's this assurance of what is hoped for. And so for us, like what is hoped for is, is not, it's not altogether different than what they hoped for in the Passover, which was ultimately deliverance from slavery to go into God's promised land. But for us, it's a greater promised land, right? It's, and this is, the author even says this, that um, 
that, that Abraham was looking forward. He was looking forward to a new homeland, a homeland that is far better than the, the current homeland that we're in. We talked about this last weekend, right? What is, what, is, what is ultimately the great hope that we have is eternal life, right? Like, what are we hoping for? What, what do we have a, a confidence that, that if we have faith in Jesus, right, then, then that after this life on earth is done, that there's another life that goes on and that, that other life is so, so incredible. It's so incredible that it's not even worth comparing the two because Sure, we might experience good and pleasant things here on earth, but, but in heaven, I mean, this is, we share in God's glory, right? Like, this is what our faith is in, what our hope is in. And so if I have faith in Jesus, true faith, I have a sure knowledge of this, that, that in my fidelity to Jesus, I live my life here and now, but then when I die, right, I, I share in, in God's glory, and so there, there's an aspect of this faith that, that Jesus is getting at here when he says, do not be afraid any longer, little flock, for your father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Right? If I have real faith in Jesus, then I don't have to fear death. There's nothing for me to be afraid of on this earth. There's nothing to be afraid of at the end of my life because true faith in Jesus, it means that my future is only going to get exponentially better. And I have a sure knowledge of that, right? Sometimes, sometimes we can have faith uh, in, in human things or worldly things. And, and sometimes putting our faith in, in human or worldly things, it can, it can come through, right? Like if I'm sitting at a, a red light, which we don't, we don't have many of those in, in Red Lake County, right? But if I'm sitting at a red light, I have a real faith that it's going to turn green eventually, right? And it works every time. Although when I was a kid, I remember one time uh, growing up in Crookston, there was a light. It stayed red for at least like 10 minutes. And the bus driver was getting really frustrated. He's like, come on, like what's going on? But eventually it turned green, right? So we put our faith in, in human things. And, and many times there's, there, there's, it, comes, it comes true. Then there are other times when we put our faith in human things and we can actually be sure that it's not going to come true. And we learn this every fall when the Vikings start playing, you know, and we think like, oh, they're going to win the Super Bowl this year, right? And then, and then they don't. Uh, so so there, there are times when we have faith in human things, and we can be pretty sure about it, but not super sure. But then when we put our faith in divine things, in God, we know that God is faithful. And so there's, that's where this sure knowledge, it, it like, it, it, it's made firm, it's made strong. That's what the author is getting at here. And so maybe a, a good re reflection question for you, right? Do you have that kind of faith in the promises of Jesus? Do you have that kind of faith that says, I don't fear death? Do you have that kind of faith that says, I actually, I don't fear any suffering in this life? Because I know that in my fidelity to Jesus, my future my long-term future, and it's very long, is only going to be exponentially better than anything I can experience here and now. Faith is the realization of what is hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What happens if you have evidence of something? It just fortifies you. It grounds you in like, no, I know this is true because I've seen the evidence. I know this is true 
And so there's, there's nothing that's going to make me waver. There's nothing that's, that's going to make me take my eyes off of the thing in which I put my faith. And again, we, we can experience this in human, earthly ways, and sometimes we can be let down by that. Right? People disappoint us. Things can disappoint us. But if we take our eyes off of human and worldly things and put our faith in what is divine, then that's something that cannot disappoint but will only, only come through in the end. This is, this is a big reason why Jesus is just saying, right, don't be afraid. Your father is pleased to give you the kingdom. So what? So sell your belongings and give alms, right? P provide money bags for yourselves that do not wear out an inexhaustible treasure in heaven that no thief can reach nor moth destroy. In other words, he's saying, if you put all of your investments in this kingdom that is to come, there's nothing that can touch that. There's no one that can disappoint you enough that can take that away from you. There's nothing that can disappoint you enough that can take that away from you. So, so don't worry about things on this earth. But instead, put, put your trust in everything in heaven. Keep your eyes fixed on the glory that is to come. So this is the question, right? Is this, is this the kind of faith that you have? Now, now this is, this is maybe where we can start to run into some problems here because... What the Bible then tells us is that those who have such faith, there's something more expected of them. You see, you see, the way that we talk about faith most often today is that if a person has strong faith, then we can start to make excuses for them. And maybe for some of us, and I know this is the case for me, that some of us might be in this church in this category where there are people who have no problem missing Sunday Mass without a good reason. And they'll say, no, but my faith in God is so strong. Right? Or there are people who have no problem breaking God's commandments in, in any of the commandments. And they say, no, but I really trust that God is good. But in fact, if we look at what the scriptures say, what do the scriptures say? Well, Jesus actually says to the one who's been given much, much will be required of that person. And still more will be demanded of the person entrusted with more. You see, those who have strong faith, right? Those who, who fully believe that, that what is to come is so incredible and so great, they've been given an incredible gift from God because ultimately faith is something that can be given to us only by God. Jesus says, no one knows who the Father is except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. So if I have this kind of faith in God that we're talking about, this, this sure knowledge, that means I have received an incredible gift from God. And if I have received an incredible gift from God, that means that he actually expects more from me than he expects from the average person. So instead of making excuses for myself, instead I actually need to see, no, like I have to take responsibility for this gift. God has given me this gift, this great gift, and it's so incredible because I look forward to the life that is to come. And so I got to take responsibility for this and use it and put it into action. This is what the, this is what the letter to the Hebrews is talking about. He talks about Abraham, right? By, by faith, what did Abraham do? He obeyed. God gave him a command. He came to Abraham and he said, take your family and move. And so he moved. Him and Sarah were, were barren. They couldn't have children. Somehow God comes to him and promises they, that you'll have a child, right? Abraham is like 90 years old. 
So with Sarah, imagine, right? Some of, you, some of you mothers who are well past your childbearing years, imagine giving birth again, right? You're just like, what? It's not possible, right? For Sarah, somehow God made it possible. It says the miraculous thing because they wanted more than anything. They wanted a child, so God gave them a child. And then, about 30 years later, God came to Abraham and he said, okay, now go and kill your child. Make him an offering to me. You imagine being Abraham, like, no, God, like, this was the one gift that I wanted, and you gave me the gift, and now you're, you're asking me to do what? To go and kill my child? And so he's like, okay, right, because he has faith that somehow God is going to take his obedience to God, Abraham's obedience to God, he's going to take it and do something amazing with it. So Abraham, he takes he has Isaac carry the wood for the sacrifice up the mountain, and as he's about to slay his child who's an adult by this point, the angel of the Lord comes and he says, okay, I see how faithful you are. I see how obedient you are. And then from there, what happens? God is able to fulfill all of the promises that he made to Abraham through that act of obedience. Go home and read the rest of Hebrews chapter 11. It talks about all kinds of other people. It talks about Noah, how he built this great big ark, right? God comes to him and tells him there's going to be a great flood, and so you've got to build this ark. You've got to imagine being someone who is not in Noah's family, right? Watching him build this big ark. You're like, Noah, what the heck are you doing? Well, it's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. You know, it's just like, okay, okay, Noah, right? And yet, right, it's through that, that radical obedience in fidelity to God's commandments that God is then able to do something amazing through Noah. It's the same thing with so many people in the Old Testament, how it seems like they're doing things that are silly. It seems how they're doing things that are ridiculous from an outsider's perspective. But because they have faith, because they have this sure knowledge that God who is good and who makes promises is going to fulfill those promises through their faithfulness, they carry it out. And what once looked silly and ridiculous turns into something incredible and amazing through their fidelity. And so too for you and me, brothers and sisters, this is, this is a problem that we can have, that, that we might say that we have strong faith, but then what happens is we, we tend to kind of hedge our bets, and I do the same thing, where we, we, we say like, well, I believe in Jesus, but, but just in case his promises aren't going to come true, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find ways that I can still enjoy myself here on earth in an excessive kind of way. I'm still going to give myself a little bit of license because after all, I trust God, but I'm just going to make it so that I can, I can enjoy myself a little bit, and it's okay if I don't follow all of his commandments. No, instead, what God asks of us is radical fidelity to sell out for his kingdom, to say, no, Jesus, I trust in you. I have faith in you, the kind of faith that the author to the letter of the Hebrews is talking about, where I have a sure knowledge that what you promised, Jesus, is going to come to pass, and I'm looking forward to it so much. I'm looking forward to it so much that I'm not afraid of anything, and I'm ready to sell whatever I can, so that I can invest more and more and more in your kingdom. Because when I get to that kingdom, when I pass the threshold of death and I get to your kingdom, it's going to be so incredible. And I'm sure of this. I'm convicted of this. And I'm prepared for it, Lord. I don't want to be one of those servants who's unprepared, who ultimately, right, the unprepared servants are what? They are in, they're worthy of a severe beating, he says. And Jesus, 
I don't want a severe beating. Instead, I want to be welcomed into your kingdom. And so I want to be found ready when you call me to this better homeland. And so I am going to, rather than making excuses for myself to break your commandments, rather than stepping back and relaxing in my life of faith, my lived relationship with you, Jesus, because I have faith in you, I'm actually going to step forward and take risks for your kingdom. Even if it means I look silly and ridiculous to the people outside of my life. Because Jesus, I don't care what they think. I want to be faithful to you and to you alone. And brothers and sisters, when we do this, when we do this, God can actually do something amazing through us. He can do something incredible through us, right? What seems silly and ridiculous to the people on the outside can actually be transformed by Jesus into something incredible and amazing. And so for us, I think, I think it's just so important for us. Maybe, maybe you're hearing this and you're thinking, maybe my faith isn't as strong as I thought it was. And if that's the case, it's okay. This is a really great place for us to pray and say, Jesus, increase our faith. Increase our faith to give us this sure knowledge that you will fulfill all of your promises. All of them, Jesus. If only we will be faithful to you in obedience, in fidelity, and keeping our eyes fixed on you and on your kingdom. Amen.